You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Watt Watchers, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use, and SolarAy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. Hello and thanks for joining our weekly podcast, Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me as usual is David Leach, ITK analyst and Renew Economy contributor. David, how are you? I'm well, thanks Giles. Hi to you and hi to our listeners and hi to our special guest today. Indeed, and our special guest is uh, Franck Wattier uh, from the French company uh, Nguyen. Frank, um, thanks for joining us, and um, I hope I've got the pronunciation right. Hi, Giles, indeed. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, you've got a pronunciation right. That's perfect. Thank you very much. Frank, um, look, um, Nguyen is um, kind of front of centre of a lot of what's happening in Australia with the renewables um, at the moment. Um, you, of course, are the owner of the Tesla big battery. I know that Tesla gets all the... Uh, gets all the publicity but you actually own the project um (laughs) it's um nice to play second fiddle on your own project yeah i think we're probably less uh, less famous than our uh, friend and partner at tesla elon musk but uh yeah indeed we are we're going to be the the owner of this asset and uh, as as we are actually for all of our assets it's very exciting it's a great project Look, I look forward to talking about that in a minute. And of course, you're involved in a whole bunch of other projects. Um, there is the Balgana Wind Farm and uh, Battery Storage Project with Nectar Farms in Storwall in Victoria. You're building another solar farm in Victoria, three solar farms in um, New South Wales. And um, the, well, you've just recently completed the 309 megawatt Hornsdale Wind Farm in South Australia, the final stage where the Tesla big battery is now. I was fortunate enough to be able to come along and see the unveiling, as it were, on Friday night. It was pretty exciting. I think most people were surprised how far down the track the installation was. Yeah, I think it did. It is um, what we've witnessed on on Friday is a great effort, a team effort from uh, Tesla's team, uh, Neowen's team, but also AMO and Electronet because it's it's a very complex, innovative uh, first of its kind, and as you as you know, the the, the largest in the world. Um, so what uh, what you've seen on Friday is really half of the um, battery array installed. There's still a, um, 50% to go, and that will be all in place before before December 1st. I think the the opportunity that uh, Elon Musk was in Adelaide for this uh, uh, space conference was uh, was a good uh, uh, good good reason for him to 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 come to Gemstone and organize that little party. Indeed, and look, you've got um, as you say, you've got half of it installed. So it seems to me the actual physical installation um, of this is probably not going to be the biggest challenge because you can actually get power packs and you can put them on a cement pad and um, and stick them all together. I guess the challenge is actually going to be integrating all with the wind farm and getting all the connections, getting all the connections right, and getting the approval from the market operator, and just understanding how it's actually going to connect with the grid. Yeah, the the, the construction uh, timeline has always been a, quite of a challenge, uh, but we we were pretty sure uh, would be able to make it jointly with Tesla, um, uh, Catcon as well, uh, the the SA based uh, civil contractors. Um, the real challenge, as you said, is the integration into the network, um, uh, the the wind farm, the way it will uh, um, behave gently with Hansel 1, 2 and 3, but also in mainly the registration of this new facility into the market. It's, it's uh, unprecedented, it's all new, it has never been um, uh, installed and, and more, more uh, anticipated that there would be a big battery like that able to provide 
provide the grid st stability services. So um, there is a lot of challenges in the registration and the interactions uh, with AMO have been quite uh, quite amazing, quite good. Um, the reactivity of AMO is, is impressive. The uh, other challenges lie uh, in the IT uh, systems, the interaction and, and, and the control of the facility between um, between all of the stakeholders, uh, whether they are Electronet, AMO, uh, the software run government, and obviously uh, our, our asset, our other asset, the wind farm. So Frank, I'm sure that um, David has some questions, but just firstly, um... I'm interested to know how this is going to change, if, it, if at all, the, the way that you actually manage the wind farm. Now, we know that part of the um, battery storage is contracted to the South Australian government to provide services, fast response in case of any disruption or outages or whatever. But a significant part of it is also dedicated to the wind farm and time shifting and presumably paying the peak pricing. So how, how do you see this in, um, changing the operations of the wind farm, the way you look at the market? Well, I don't think, in, in fact, it is important to understand that the, the Neowens uh, Hansdale Wind Farm and the Neowens Hansdale Power Reserve, as we call the, uh, as we call the battery, um, are really separate projects. The, the Hansdale Wind Farms um, have been um, granted uh, three uh, contracts under the ACT tender uh, in the last uh, two or three years, and they really operate on, on, on a standalone basis. They're, uh, first of all, independent one from each other, um, all connected to the same substation with um, different connection points, um, and, and operated by NeoN alongside, and owned by NeoN alongside John Lang uh, infrastructure, infrastructure Group. So they're really separate assets, and, and the, the battery um, is being built uh, in Hansdale because the connection point was, uh, was um, a, 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 capable of receiving um, additional power from an additional asset. Um, there is, in fact, not a lot of synergies between the uh, battery and uh, the wind farm. So uh, the battery's uh, business model is really to provide uh, grid stabilization services to the uh, uh, software network. Um, it's subsidized and paid by the software government, but also a large part of the business model is based on uh, providing FCAS services or um, um, arbitrage on the market. Um, and it's really uh, the 30 megawatt uh, that is not dedicated to the software government that will, that will uh, play this role. And so, Frank, just to be a little clearer about that, the difference between the FCAS services and the grid stabilisation services, what, what do the grid stabilisation services consist of? Well, the injection of fast, uh, fast, uh, fast uh, current in, in the network, uh, providing um, um, yeah, black start or NL NLCAS services, um, is really what the government is uh, is, um, is is securing. Um, the uh, 30 megawatt part is going to beat into the FCAS markets. You know, there are eight FCAS markets and, and, um, and energy markets as well. So a commercial, commercial operation of the battery, basically. I, I see. Uh, I, I guess I'm just to move on from the battery. I know it's, it's very exciting, but I think there'll be more perhaps to say about it when it's actually up and running. Um, Neo, and as Giles mentioned, is quite uh, a big commitment to Australia. Um, do you see that that, that commitment, I'm, I'm just trying to work out how many dollars you've actually got, it must be the biggest part of Neoen's total global investment. And I think, uh, I, did you mention that there might be a couple more projects over and beyond that afterwards? Yeah, definitely. Neowen um, Neo has invested since uh, 2012, 2013 um, 
uh, roughly a billion dollars in uh, in Australia. Um, so like 70% debt, 30% equity. Uh, but the the Australian market for us um, is uh, is an important um, important market. Uh, we are targeting a strong growth. Uh, we have plans. Uh, you probably have heard in the past that we wanted to reach a gigawatt of assets in operation or construction by 2020. This is certainly something that's going to be reached um, um, early next year, which means uh, we've uh, we've delivered a little, bit, a little bit more than what we thought, and and our shareholders as such are very excited about Australia. So there's going to be more uh, more and more investments. Um, we have. As you said, Jazz, um, uh, three solar farms in New South Wales, which uh, are nearing end of construction, they will be connected to the grid in the next uh, uh, two, three months. Uh, we have uh, another a couple of solar farms um, that will reach financial close in the next um, in the next uh, quarter in New South Wales. We have a. Um, mm. um, Nomurka. Have we heard about those before? I'm sure you have. It's the Colemberley uh, solar farm and the Gilgandra solar farm. So Colemberley has its um, uh, like uh, two thirds of its output contracted with Energy Australia. We've announced that in. Of course, we've announced that in July, I think. Um, and the Gilgandra so far isn't contracted. Um, we also have the Nomurka, which has a it, which is a 126 megawatt, which has a PPA with. Um, for LGCs with the Victorian government. The uh, Caban uh, wind farm in North, North, Northern Queensland, um, which, uh, which we think we can, uh, we can build next year at a very, very competitive price. Um, plus, uh, uh, you mentioned the Bulgana, Bulgana wind farm, 200 megawatt plus 20 megawatt battery in Victoria. So a lot happening. Um, the, good, the good thing about Neo and you know, we, we, we have um, a strong uh, set of shareholders, but one majority shareholder was uh, Jacques Vera, uh, and he's really investing his own money in the company. So that that drives the uh, agility and uh, entrepreneurship spirit of Neoen. Um, and he's uh, he's not the only shareholder. We'll, we'll also have the French government and, and a, uh, an institutional uh, shareholder, but that that really is driven by um, uh, by Jacques Vera. Frank, so I might just ask, as a developer of both wind and PV, my understanding is that uh, PV prices have come down very dramatically in the last 12 months, maybe 30%, maybe even more in Australia, but that there's still, you know, the number I hear is $70 for a wind PPA, uh, for a PV PPA, and less, now we're down at $60 and even less for, for wind. What drives the choice for you between wind and solar? Um, the, so we really we, we really much um, believe in both technologies. So there's no there's no hesitation when we have a nice, well uh, designed, uh, well developed solar farm or wind farm. We, we we will invest in both. We think there's not such a difference between uh, solar and wind, and there will be less difference in the future. Um, solar is still a little bit higher, and um, what happens uh, in the US doesn't help uh, getting the prices for for modules as low as it uh, as it was in the past and last three or four months but solar is and, a and, bit and that's just talking yeah. about the yeah. yeah that's just talking about the big threat of trade um wars there yes. yeah so because, please go on. yeah yeah that's it exactly everybody's buying modules so the prices are <laughs> increasing that uh, this quarter and, and for, for next year but look it's gonna it's gonna come to a, a normal situation i hope in the next uh, 12 to 18 months uh, we see solar a little bit more expensive than wind yet um what we've done uh, recently for for the soft uh, sorry for the 
Queensland um, renewable uh, 400 uh, tender is really comparing prices of solar and wind and it needs to be very very big to get uh, um, a large uh, to, sorry to get a very competitive solar farm uh, whilst our cabane wind farm is 100 megawatt and we think it's it's extremely competitive it, it's not as competitive as a, as a stockyard hill um, but it's five times smaller and not that far actually so so there's quite uh, this is something i'm hearing more that there is quite an economy of scale and i noticed there are three very large wind farms that have been talked about in victoria up up to 800 megawatts um i, I i've got a couple of questions but the one i'll just ask i haven't heard any projects in in new south wales my home state is there is there some reason for that uh, do you think that, or, or or just just a matter of circumstance or are you talking Neowen or just wind? Yes, for Neowen oh, in so New we, South Wales. So we have a lot of projects in New South Wales. Uh, oh, fact. excuse me. Yeah, no. Um, actually, it's 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 been our first um, the the state in which we've um, uh, first started looking for lands in in uh, in Dubbo, uh, and I was myself involved in in 2012, 2013 in the discussion with landowners in Dubbo, in Parks, in Griffith. So we we have those solar farms. Uh, that are uh, nearing con end of construction actually and as i mentioned new south wales uh, colambelli and gilgandra solar farms as well so we'll have mm. uh, we'll have next year um probably three four hundred megawatts of solar solar uh, assets in new south wales so no no i'm <laughs> very happy oh, excuse me. i made a mistake about that so <laughs> i apologize and, and 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 when you think about where to invest um is it the black electricity price or the REC price? I mean, what what drives the ge geography of where you invest? We're um, we're a global uh, IPP, so global independent power producer. What what really matters is the long term perspective of um, uh, the, the location we'll um, will will select. Um, the name, so all states in the name, the Queensland, um, uh, um, uh, ACT, New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia, have a long-term stable perspective and prices are um, effectively different from one state to another. But uh, the need for uh, rene re renewable, sustainable electricity in all states will uh, will really exist in the future. So we started where we, where we thought it would be kind of easier um, and a few months after we started looking for lands in New South Wales, um, we had the opportunity to invest in the project that was uh, uh, developed by Investec in, in, in 2013, the Honsdale Wind Farm. So we, we shifted our attention to South Australia. Um, and then uh, we were quite busy during a couple of years developing that Honsdale Wind Farm and those solar projects. And we didn't spend that much attention on Victoria or Queensland, but um, our team, our team um, went from two people in 2013 to um, roughly uh, 40 by the end of this year. So we also increased our capacity in uh, developing projects everywhere. So we, we're really much focused on uh, the, the East Coast. We have not a lot of activity on the, in Western Australia, uh, nor uh, nothing in the Northern Territory yet. Uh, so yeah, any state in, in, in the name is, uh, is of interest to anyone. I'd like to get actually back to battery storage because I'm really fascinated by this and, and this is a major development there and, and, and you've also got some other battery storage projects which I'm interested to sort of tease out from you. Now you're talking about how it, um, um, Hornsdale is actually contracted to the ACT government. Um, so its price is kind of at a, at a its outputs at a fixed price. So, so yes, I guess it can't arbitrage that much with that uh, with the battery storage. 
With a wind project that you're doing, Balgana and Victoria, will that be different and will that offer more synergies in the way that you produce the power and the way you might store it and time shift it, etc.? Yeah, so the, the Bulgana project is different because it's, it's been designed um, since day one with the battery uh, included and in the, the tripartite agreement we have with the Victorian government and Nectar Farms, um, so the corporate of Taker is really to produce electricity from the wind farm uh, to fill up the battery and uh, with all of this provide stable base load uh, power to nectar farms for their corporate needs for their um, uh, hydroponic glass houses um, and the um, uh, remainder of the electricity produced by the wind farm will be secured through um, a support contract with the victorian government so that so you will be yeah well um, and just for people who don't know too much about nectar farms um, we actually wrote this about this a couple of months ago it's a very exciting project it's going to be the australia's largest greenhouse um, they grow vegetables there it was a project they were looking at taking overseas before someone came up with the idea or i think <laughs> with you guys and um, whoever your battery storage partner might be and the victorian government saying well look why don't you stay in victoria and think differently about the way you operate this greenhouse um, electrify the whole thing rather than using gas and um, and, and hot air use wind wind energy and battery storage and you can actually do it on an economic um foundation i mean that, that's a very very exciting development isn't it frank yeah, i think if you ask uh, steven sass from nectar farm he would tell you that his problem uh, was to secure a long-term um, stable electricity for uh, for his uh, glass houses and what we've been able to engineer with um, uh, jointly with the government the victorian government and, and nectar farm is to provide them with enough tech agreement which is a long-term offtake agreement, which is competitive, probably half the price of what they would have uh, in the market. So it <laughs> it meant that they could really um, uh, stay in in Australia, in Victoria, create jobs here in in, in Australia, and 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 have a yeah a long-term perspective on their business as well. They are uh, they're going to be a, a high energy consumer. It's um, it's the technology uh, leads to that. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's an quite quite inventive. So so when when I one of the things coming down the to, towards us is the generator reliability obligation. How do you think that might? Have you had any thoughts about how that might affect uh, your business here in Australia? <laughs> yeah, I think we we we're um, uh, shifting from a, a very simple business model where we were injecting electricity in the green, no matter what, no matter when. Uh, we really didn't have to worry about uh, if, 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 if prediction um, uh, load or uh, uh, constraints, and we're shifting to an environment where, and. I wouldn't say thanks to the blackout, but because of the blackout last year in South Australia, where um, all renewable energy generators will have to be mindful of what they're doing in the network, what they're providing to the network. They will have to give um, more um, uh, stable, uh, uh, produce more stable electricity. You've seen that in the uh, Queensland, uh, Queensland tender requirements, they already have a requirement for battery storage uh, uh, jointly with solar PV. And I think that's, um, that's very positive for our industry. It's shaking uh, our environment. It's it's complex. It's it's bringing a lot of uh, additional work. We have to uh, manage not only the, the the base load side of things with additional battery systems, but the um, uh, compliance with uh, um, uh, voltage uh, levels, uh, providing eventually FCAS services as we're um, uh, uh, trialing on the Honsdale wind farm too. So there's a lot of um, new additional uh, constraints, um, which means that. That uh, if all the industry uh, and and the uh, stakeholders are, are preparing uh, tomorrow properly 
and that probably is uh, is uh, is important to 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 state to, to mention that AMO has a crucial role to play, but the industry also has a crucial role to play. Um, we we're going to have a it's possible that we get to a 100% renewable energy um, uh, situation in in, in, in in several decades, but it has to be prepared now. So it changes a lot uh, for us, but we're, we're quite quite ahead of the pack, I'd say, in, in understanding that and working with pe- people like Tesla uh, is very helpful. Can I, can I just jump in there and just, um, you, you mentioned the Queensland one, and I think you said at the start um, that you had a couple of projects in there. What have you learned from sort of looking at the solar, um, a, 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 pot- a potential solar project and then looking at battery storage and starting from scratch with both? What, um, yeah, what, what, can, what can you tell us about that? I can tell you that we're still far from um, from um, being completely able to develop that and uh, and making making it cheap. Uh, the price for storage is still expensive, so it needs either um, support, subsidies, or whatever, um, and, and uh, or um, a couple of years to get there to, to, to get the level of, to the level of prices we need to. But that said. Um, if you if you consider other uh, sources of electricity, uh, they also have been subsidized in the beginning, uh, or maybe for many many more years than just the beginning. So the storage uh, integration with with solar is um, is the future. It's the last frontier. Uh, storage uh, with solar and wind is the last frontier. You becoming a, a base load base load provider, base load producer, um, and and we're 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 excited. We're working towards that. Uh, economics are still still. Difficult, it, is that the right technology, base load provider, or do we like to say fully dispatchable? Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. A base load is actually a demand term. Dispatchable is a supply term, uh, is the way I think about it, Giles. Um, uh, if I was to, I, the thing that interests me though is that whether it's a project by project uh, arranging for its own dispatchability or whether a number of projects mightn't agree to have gas or pumped hydro or, or, or some other, um, or concentrating yeah. solar as some sort of, um, so that you, between all the projects, you get a level of dispatchability. I'm just, I wonder, has the AMO given any indication how they think about that? Um, not, not that I am aware of. I don't think I've heard anything about mm. that. And it's interesting to say what you're saying about the cost, because um, I guess a few people um, who've actually yet to develop any projects, I should point out, have been sort of saying quite casually that, um, say, you know, the the combination of solar and storage would be cheaper than, say, um, gas. Um, That doesn't sound like that's where your thinking is at at the moment. Well, it depends on on, on the price of gas. Yes. Um, And... um... I guess it would depend yeah, on how much probably, probably not can... that far. Uh, I mean, it's not that far, but the, yeah, it depends on who is who is interested in buying the output of the uh, solar and storage and at what price. And if you're competing with gas, maybe it works. Um, yeah, I haven't haven't been able to secure any PPA uh, uh, in competing with gas yet, so I don't know. <laughs> can I just ask um, one other question about your project, and that's the Balgana one with Nectar Farms that you did mention before. So, what's the next stage in, in the development of that? When when are we likely to sort of see the um, the um, the soil turned over or the first sod um, dug up or whatever it is? Look, we're very close from finalising the um, uh, contract structure, contractual agreements with both Nectar Farms and the Victorian government. I hope we will have um, um, an opportunity to talk about it again in, in, uh, in December. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you've had a storage... And Frank, ahead, David. David. No, you go. sorry, sorry. I, I, I guess I should come back to the battery a little bit. 
I know we can't talk too much about the details of the prices and costs, but I've been talking to some people about um, utility scale, 100 megawatt style battery storage, and you always run into an argument whether it's 100 megawatts or 100 mm -hmm. megawatt hours. But some of the discussion I've been having is that the actual, when you look at the total amount of dollars invested, only so much of it goes to the batteries, and a lot of it is the balance of system. Um, and that if you had more hours of battery storage, then the the cost would, would be lower on a megawatt hour basis. Uh, can you say anything about well, that? Well, it's not completely um, uh, wrong. Eh? What what you're saying is is right. As long as you, it's it's the same for for solar and wind. Actually, if you if you um, optimize the size, the bigger the better, because you 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 are able to um, uh, mitigate the impact of balanced plant balance of plants, electrical or civil. Actually, um, with a bigger um, production uh, facility. So, yeah, adding adding more megawatt hours maybe is uh, is is an option. I think the, the, the tricky thing is find, finding the right balance, find, finding the right economics. Um, and we're in the beginning of this um, um, learning curve. Uh, again, we uh, you have heard that the uh, South Australian battery is the largest in the world, but by a factor of three, which means that the, the previous one was 30 megawatt and was, uh, I don't know if it's Hawaii or, or California, but so we are learning a lot. And, and the cost curve for the batteries is, is, uh, is uh, falling as well. So. I guess in the future we'll have more and more megawatts and megawatt hours or more megawatt hours and less megawatts actually because there's probably an interest in having a lot of small batteries dispatched everywhere in the, in the network um, and that uh, that certainly is something uh, that the network service providers will look at as well and you've um, you've understood that uh, Electronet is, uh, is, is, is implementing something like that, a 20 megawatt, I think, or 30 megawatt battery. 30, 30 uh, megawatt, uh, I think, yes. So there's going to be more and more. Um, we, uh, we think the market is going gonna, is gonna to multiply uh, 10 times uh, in the next uh, two years uh, in terms of installed capacity. Um, yeah. So it's That's extraordinary. It's yeah. going to be big. Yeah. And so I might mention, uh, Giles, you actually ran a couple of stories this week, you and Sophie, uh, about some of these behind-the-meter battery installations. I think we saw uh, Domino's Pizza. Share price might be crap, but they've uh, installed a very large couple of uh, uh, battery packs to avoid a substation upgrade. Uh, uh, we saw a West Australian government doing quite a large uh, installation uh, to avoid, uh, again, a network upgrade. It does seem to me that the we're starting to see already evidence of behind the meter uh, batteries uh, showing themselves to be economics without without any subsidies. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's really interesting too. And I, I think we've seen that before actually, because we had Ergon, um, the network up in um, in Queensland, install 100 fairly small batteries, 100 uh, kilowatt hours, around the network, and it found it actually saved um, its upgrade and maintenance costs by one third. And I guess what's interesting about these projects in the last couple of weeks where you've got a council and then Domino's Pizza doing things um, is basically now you're seeing that from behind the meter, you're seeing it from the customers because normally if they wanted to have um, a new wastewater water treatment plant in the, in, the, in the example of the council or increased facilities in the, in, the, in the case of Domino's, they'd have to invest or help invest in the new network to support that. And now they're finding that battery storage can actually halve that cost or cut it by a third. So that's pretty exciting. Look, the, the, you, you go ahead, Frank. Yeah, you, you, that's obviously a, a very, very 
interesting and in, we're talking about retail prices they're competing with retail prices so if you install a battery and you're able to get that uh, all in with solar at a hundred dollar per megawatt hour you're very happy it's uh, at least half half uh, price com compared to to retail that, that wonderful french word arbitrage that so much uh, <laughs> so much has been built on <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> Hey, look, we're going to have to run up because we've actually been going for almost 30 minutes now. Um, David, I'm not too sure we're going to do a quick one through the week. I think we've probably discussed the major things. If there's anything quickly you want to add about what's coming up or what we've seen? Uh, no, I, th I think it's, it just remains all eyes on, on the policy front going forward now. And I want to uh, have a big shout out. We, we keep saying that how much support there is for the clean energy target. And we discussed that a bit last week. Uh, but I want to point out it's also got the same blunt and disadvantaged features that renewable energy target has that is it doesn't really select where the renewable energy is going to go from the point of view of where it might be most valuable in the grid um, um, and and it doesn't necessarily do provide the lowest cost of capital in the way that a reverse auction that, that was so helpful in getting something like uh, um, Hornsdale financed um, so I want to give a big shout out for the state uh, policies again and so I think they've still got a, a big role to play, and I hope the states stick to their guns on that. Indeed, so we. Look, um, before we wrap up, once again, thanks to our sponsors, SolarAy and What Watches. Um, very important to have their support. Frank, thanks for joining us. It's been a fascinating discussion talking about the storage and all your other projects. Thank you, guys. That's uh, very exciting. We're living, uh, we, I think we're making history, all of us. Yes, I think so, Frank, and uh, best of luck. Thank you. Good on you. Look, thank you both. Thanks, David. Thanks, Frank. Um, thank you, listeners. Once again, um, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave a recommendation on your iPhone um, thingamajig. I can't think of the name of it, but um, we appreciate your support and your feedback. And um, if you give us a good recommendation, then more people can find us. So thanks once again. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Energy Insiders was brought to you by SolarAy Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solaray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatches, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs. Accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit whatwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.